Well, good morning again. Uh, uh, those of you online, uh, we just got disconnected, but here we are. We're back again. Um, just a couple of announcements real quick. We have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll have a live stream on Facebook right where you are right now watching. Uh, we last two weeks, Sunday night, has actually been pretty good. We've had over 60 people watch over the last two weeks uh, all over the world, for that matter. Um, so it's awesome. Anyway, uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, there might be some uh, changes with that coming soon. You'll, we'll talk about that later as we cross that bridge. We still have our free Bible classes on our website. Uh, our website is lighthousediscipleship.org. And so feel free to jump on in. Some of us have plenty of time. Uh, so uh, feel free to jump in, take some free classes, do it at your own pace. They're free. I uh, just need to go on our website, register, and that's free. I'll get right back to you with the password. So anyway, uh, I don't think I have any other announcements. Uh, I think it's pretty much same old, same old uh, around here. So uh, we're just Good. All right. So anyway, let's go ahead and get jumped into the message this morning. Uh, we're uh, hopefully wrapping up this morning about being established in His peace. And uh, I think this is part four of our, I guess, four four part series. Now I'm hoping to wrap this up. Next week I want to start a new series to talk about the spirit of joy. And uh, I've been wanting to talk about both of these subjects, uh, especially in the season we're in right now. We need peace and we need joy. And, uh, and so I want to uh, talk about that uh, briefly, and then there's a couple more that are burning in my heart, too, that I want to share over the next few weeks, couple months. So anyway, um, so anyway uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and jump in with me to Second Peter chapter 1. This has kind of been our key verse our, uh, as we started this series, and I'm going to tie that into everything I'm going to talk about this morning. So let me just start real quick on the screen. So 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to pick up verse 2. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, and we're talking about being established in his peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has, notice past tense, has given to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this, <coughs> excuse me, this world through lust. Again, there's a lot here. We've unpacked some of this over the last few weeks. Again, those messages are on our website. But it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. We're talking about being established in, our, in His peace. And uh, 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 Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It's His peace. Peace is the fruit of His Spirit. And, uh, and we, how does grace, and we already, if we're born again, we already have His peace. It says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. It goes on to say in Isaiah 9, 9 6, and 7, it says that he's not only our prince of peace, but that of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. It's, we studied last week from Isaiah 54, verse 10. I'm not going to necessarily turn there right now. 
but we have a covenant of peace with God. We have a covenant. We, we, we read last week uh, for Easter, but it also fits in with our, uh, with our message this week, is that he was chastised for our peace. How do we know all of this? Through the knowledge of him. And as we get to know him, as we get to know him, the living word, our grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of him. It also says that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's a lot of reasons why people are not in peace right now. And not just because of the coronavirus and different things, but sometimes with the effects of that. Some people are in furlough, some people have lost their jobs. Some people do have a, a virus or another type of disease or sickness or illness. Some people do have, like I already said, financial problems or relationship problems or marital problems. Or maybe there's some other problems, but maybe there's problems with addiction. Maybe they're having issues with sin and they just can't break it. Or, whatever, or, or shame or whatever the case may be. Maybe they, they made some major mistakes and they're, they're feeling the consequence of that. Or they don't know how to get out of this. He has provided through us all things. For life and godliness in the knowledge of him. And these precious promises, if we know them, these, these precious promises are, will enable us to be partakers of his divine nature, which I really want to start talking about that a little bit later in the year, uh, but uh, about his divine nature. But how we even know what his divine nature is, <coughs> excuse me, without the knowledge of him. We need to know God. And if we know God, we know his precious promises, we can be partakers of his divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in this world through lust. You know, lust is not just being immoral. Lust can also be, we've seen this already in our day and age, hoarding to toilet paper, water, other, other things. That's lust. There's a lust there. It's based out of fear sometimes, or, or selfishness, pride, uh, at, at times, in, in different ways. But... Uh, We've also talked about, you know, we're either trusting God or we're trusting ourselves. We're either trusting the government or trusting this or that. We, I've said it many times already in the series, we, can, we need to feed our faith and starve our fears. But some of us are starving our faith and feeding our, feeding our fears. How do we, which one do we feed? Whichever one we have a knowledge of. Some people are partaking of the news every day and very little of the Word of God. The news of sorrow... <coughs> I mean, you know that Jesus is our bread of life. And we need, <coughs> excuse me, we need to partake his daily bread daily. But some people are partaking of the bread of sorrows daily. And I'm not saying we don't know some things are going on in the world. We don't watch the news. We don't really listen to the news. We might see a few headlines and whatnot, but we generally don't watch the news. One, we don't have TV, so we can't watch it, you know. But at the same point in time, you know, we do know, we know enough of what's going on in our world. But it's not our, it's not, it doesn't dominate our life. That's not our source of information. He's our source of information. And, and, and so, anyway, and even if we have listened to that, some news or read some headlines, we're dominated by the bread of life, by Him. Not the bread of sorrows. Because the bread of sorrows will starve your faith and feed your fears. The, uh, and, and it doesn't have to be just news. It could be the doctor's report. It could be your financial report. Whatever. Maybe you get a negative report uh, regarding a, a certain situation. You need to take that situation to God and, 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 and feed your faith and start your fear. We sing some awesome songs this morning, how God is a God of the impossible. 
He can do impossible things. He, he, uh, there's nothing he can't do. But where do we get that knowledge? In the knowledge of him. And so I want to be led by his peace, not by my fears. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, I wasn't going to turn here, I said, but let's go real quick to Isaiah 54. We went here last week. And I want to just piggyback on this, some of my key verses as I wrap this up this morning. Isaiah 54, verse 10. And we'll pick it up in verse 9, actually. Isaiah 54, verse 9 and 10 says, For this is like the waters of Noah to me, for I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So that I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. God has, has sworn that he would never be angry with you or rebuke you. That's an awesome promise. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. That's amazing. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. I talked about this last week. I'm not going to reteach all of this. But God's covenant of peace will not be removed. The mountains may be removed. The mountains may depart. But his covenant of peace will not be removed. And the, the fact is, the mountains are still there. The hills are still there. When you know this verse, and I see the mountains and the hills every day. I know sometimes we can't because of the cloud cover or smog at times. But, uh, but they're, there, they're still there. But even if they're not there, even if we woke up one morning and, whoa, where did the mountains go? <laughs> you know, his covenant of peace will not be removed. That's the covenant. God honors his word above his name. And I can have peace because I have a covenant of peace with my God. Despite what is going on in my world, despite what, what report I might get, but uh, it actually, I mean, this is Isaiah 54, but in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, What report will we believe? And I'm paraphrasing. I would have believed his report. There's all kinds of reports going around. I would have believed his report because he was chastised for my peace. And I can have peace. I can be, by his stripes, I am healed. And, uh, and, and anyway, this has just been very encouraging to me. Go with me to John 14, 27. We were here last week as well. In John 14, in the surrounding chapters, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. And I just want to read out one verse in verse 27. He's having a very intimate time with his disciples before he goes to the cross. Because their whole world is going to be turned upside down for a few days, for three days. Because they didn't, they didn't get what the cross was all about until after the resurrection and after they filled the Holy Spirit. But their whole life is about to change. It seems for the worse at the beginning, but it's going to get better. They're going, become, they're going to operate as apostles pretty soon here. But he says this verse. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, we're in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. If you study that word leave, it means, uh, it's the same word for bequeath. Just like a rich man might bequeath his estate or his inheritance to his family or to his kids. God, Jesus, our God, has bequeathed his peace to us. So we're in the Gospel of John 14, 27. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. We don't have to be troubled because we have his peace. We have a covenant of peace. I don't know about you, but that, that, that just... I, and not only do I, does that encourage me, but it only encourages me when I'm focused on it. I need to be reminded of this. I might know this theologically. I might know this. I mean, if someone were to flat out me if I have his peace, I can quote scripture. <coughs> and I love quoting scripture. But do I believe the scripture? Have I taken ownership of the scripture? Have I, am I, am I, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. But it's just, am I, am I relying on it? Am I trusting it? Am I building my life on it? Am I meditating on it? How many know we can meditate on the things of the world, or we can meditate on the circumstances we're in, or we can meditate whatever we're worried about, or we can meditate on the Word of God? And I want God, His peace, His Word, His promises, His covenant, to be the most dominant thing in my, my, my mind, in my thoughts. He says he will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. I trust God more than I trust my circumstances. I trust God more than I trust the economy. Because I'm part of his economy. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I trust my great physician more than I trust the doctors and nurses. I thank God for doctors and nurses. Thank God for... Uh, you know, the economy that we do have for the most part. But I'm part of his economy. Thank God for the jobs I have. Thank God for the sources of income. But he's my source. If that source of income should move or change, he's my source. You know, things would happen with insurance and different things. God's my source. If a bill or an unexpected bill comes in my way or whatever it might be, God is my source. And if it gets depleted, I have, I, I don't just have a source for the money in the bank. I have more where it comes from. He's my source. And he's the God of the impossible. And I can be at perfect peace and I, my heart does not have to be troubled. Neither does it have to be afraid because I have an awesome, awesome Father. Awesome, awesome God. Well, one more scripture and then we're going to tie it, go into today's message. First John 3, 1. We've been here a lot lately. Even with other messages lately. But First John Epistle of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, Behold what manner of love the Father <coughs> has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Behold what manner of love <coughs> the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. I want to talk this morning about our good, good Father. In, in the context of being established in His peace. Being established in our Father's peace. How I many of you know that we have a good, good Father? He's good to us. He's not just our Father, praise God for that, but He's good. We can rest in His goodness because He will take care of everything. We have a good, good Father. We need to be whole. We need to focus our gaze on what manner of love our Father has, not only has, but will continue to bestow on us, that we should be called the children of God. That makes sense? Okay. All right. Let's go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 28. 
little bit of context here. Start with verse 28. Matthew 6, 28. So why do you worry about clothing? <coughs> Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Here I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, and I'm going to come back to that. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your, make it personal, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will, shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's a lot here, but Jesus is making a very simple message. Don't worry about the things that we need. And I love verse 20, uh, 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? These are some of our basic necessities in a natural point of view. What we eat, what we wear, where we, where we sleep, etc. Jesus is telling us that we don't need to worry about these things. We don't need to even, uh, and actually, I, I think I was going to go to the, uh, Luke, but I don't have my reference here. But I think it also says in one of the other uh, uh, writers that don't even think about such things. We don't even need to consider what we shall eat, what we shall wear, or what we shall eat. But, and, but I love this part in verse 32, the last sentence here. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We have a good, good Father. He knows what we need. He knows. But he says, put your, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but put your focus, put your energy, put your attention, put your allegiance to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things should be added to you. We've spoken on this many times over the last few weeks, but it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 27, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. <clears throat> we're talking about peace. We're going to start talking about joy next week. And actually the last few weeks we've been talking about righteousness. We did a whole series on righteousness. I didn't line this up for this message, but it just kind of lined up perfectly. But the kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within us. And it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I got that backwards, but you got the point. And so, when we seek for His kingdom, we're going to have peace. And we can have peace knowing also that he, Jesus also said, to, It's to my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you the keys of the kingdom. If we have the keys of the kingdom, don't you think that we can have whatever we need? Whatever we need it. Because our, we know, we know, when we're talking about. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Him. But we know that our Father, our good, good Father, 
knows that we need these things. And not only does he know, do we know that he knows that we need these things, but we know that he is a good, good father. And he has promised us if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will give us the things that we need. We don't have to worry about it because we have a good, good father and we are trusting in him. I don't know about you, but that gives me peace when I put my focus in the right area. Despite the circumstances, despite the natural, I'm not focused on the circumstances, I'm focused on God. And his kingdom is righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin says this about anxious thoughts or where anxious thoughts come from. Our, our anxious thoughts will come. He says, Ken Hagen, Hagen says, we can't keep birds from flying over our head, but we can't keep them from la landing in our hair and making a nest. Of course, they don't have much work with mine. I just got mine cut yesterday. But we can't keep a bird from flying over our head, but we can keep them from landing <coughs> on our head and building a nest. In other words, the way we keep these thoughts from, be being, from becoming our thoughts, and that we never voice those fears. You take and make those thoughts by saying them. You know, thoughts can come. Whether it's thoughts of uh, lustful thoughts, or whether it's uh, uh, thoughts of worry, the more that we meditate on those thoughts, the more that we speak those thoughts. It, it says here in verse 31, <coughs> Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? There's other thoughts that sometimes we worry about. How are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Some of you listening, maybe you're on furlough, you've lost your job. What am I going to do now? My message to you is I don't have specific answers for you, but I have this answer. Know that your father, good heavenly father loves you. And if he did not spare his own son, how much will he not also give you all things? Trust him. Rely on him. Don't worry. I'm not saying do Dill Joseph. I'm not saying go job hunting. I'm not saying do work hard. But don't do it worrying. Knowing your heavenly father loves you. And he will take care of you. I'll talk about work in just a moment. Okay. But hopefully I get that far. I'm hoping to wrap this up today. But we don't need to worry. I, I'm trying to go slow with that part because I want that part to sink in. We are, you know, no one has to teach us to worry. <laughs> we just do it automatically. We've, we've been worrying since we knew how to worry. But we have to be taught. <laughs> hey, we have to taught to refocus our energy. Uh, we worry about things. We, uh, even as a child, we worried about different things. We might not worry about some of our necessities if we knew our parents would take care of us. But we, we have just we have learned to worry. And we need to relearn to trust God and trust our Heavenly Father. You know, even when I say Heavenly Father, some of us, we grew, my Sherry and I, we grew up in good, good Christian homes. We had good parents. We had good fathers. But perhaps some of you watching I did not have a good father. So when I say that, you just can't connect. Because uh, you, your image of a father is not pleasant. It's not a good thing. But I want to, if you're born again, let me just say you have a Heavenly and uh, there is, there, you are born of uh, incorruptible seed, not corruptible seed. And there is no corruption in your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He loves you immensely. 
And so, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus died for you. And your king died for you. We just celebrated his resurrection last Sunday. We celebrate it every day in this church. But at the same point in time, there's a, there's a, there's a date on the calendar we put every year where we specifically celebrate the resurrection. That was last Sunday. But your Heavenly Father loves you. And He wants to uh, take care of all your needs. Behold, what man of the Father has, the love of the Father has bestowed upon you that you should be called the child of God, the son or daughter of the King of your God. Amen? Kind of catch up with myself here. Again, let me go real quick here. I know I keep quoting this, but let's go to uh, Romans 14. I keep quoting this throughout this series, but I want to go here real quick. Romans 14, 17. Because it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, where's this kingdom? And we've been, I've already elaborated on that. But I want to elaborate on that again. Romans 14, 27. There's something about seeing the words on the page sometimes. Versus just quoting it. Sometimes it's good to see it. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about joy starting next week. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And again, Jesus is our daily bread. And we need to have a daily, regular relationship with God. With Jesus, the living word. He's our daily bread. He's our manna that came from heaven. And it says the kingdom of God is righteous, joy, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Daily we need to seek God and be conscious of our righteousness. That he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous God in him. I believe you know, the, the, the Lord's table, communion, as we celebrate it, is a reminder of what that he died for us and his, our covenant relationship we have with him. It's a reminder that by his stripes we are healed. And we need, and some people will take that communion daily, not just on Sundays, not just once a month, not just on Good Friday, or not just on New Year's Eve, whatever the case may be. But we need to do it, some people do it daily. Some people do it three times a day. Like the same, the same way they take a meal every day, or they might take medicine every day. We need to, we need, the point is, we need the constant reminder that, that we have, we are the righteousness of God in Him. And because we are righteous, uh, I mean, when we, we, I just spent 10 weeks on that, uh, just a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to teach all that right now, but when we know that we're righteous before God, all of our needs are met. And uh, not just our physical needs, not, not just our, the food that we eat but, and, and the clothes that we wear, but all of our needs, emotional needs, relational needs, our financial needs, every need is met because we are the righteous God in Him. Not only do we need to be reminded of his righteousness, but, but we also need to daily, we are to seek Jesus, our Prince of Peace. It says in Isaiah 9, 6, that this, this child, this son, was born to us, given to us, and he is our Prince of Peace. Right? The kingdom of God is righteous peace and joy. We need to be reminded of our righteousness every day. We need to be reminded of his peace every day. And then thirdly, we, we are today to seek the, him the oil of joy. Instead of mourning. Isaiah 61 verse 3 just shouts out to me that he's, the, he's the, our oil of joy. I'm paraphrasing, but we just need joy. We, we hear so much sorrow. We hear so much negativity every day, just even on Facebook and the news and different things. We need, we, we're different. 
peace and joy are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need to be content in God. We need to be content in Him. He is our joy. And we're going to be focusing on, I'm going to spend a few weeks on, on joy next week. I haven't, I don't think I've ever preached on joy. I, I talk about it here and there, but I never preach specifically on joy. But we need to be joyful. We need to have an attitude adjustment, some of us. And we need to be joyful. And so, uh, but we need to, we need to have the oil of joy instead of mourning. I've tried to, I've tried mourning. Joy is better. Joy is better. You know, there's more energy with joy. There's more strength with joy. I can face my problems or the situation better with an attitude and spirit of joy than a spirit of mourning. Mourning, I quit. I'm angry. I get frustrated. I make a mess. I make it worse with joy. It's just an attitude adjustment. But there's joy. There's peace. There's righteousness in the kingdom of God. And that's what we're supposed to seek first. So we, we're supposed to seek righteousness before we seek what we eat, wear, and, and all that other good stuff. We're supposed to seek peace before we seek everything else. We're supposed to seek joy before we seek what we're going to eat. I mean, you mentioned something that I'm very joyful. I mean, that's nice steak, you know, chocolate for me. Some people is fruits and vegetables. My wife is eggplant and other things. You know, everyone has their food, but I'm not talking about that type of joy. I'm talking about the food, the manna that comes from heaven. And uh, he has given us good things to enjoy. He has, praise God, he's given us taste buds to, to enjoy the foods that we like. It says in uh, <coughs> excuse me, Psalm 103, that not, not only are we not to forget all of his benefits, that include uh, he has forgiven all of our sins, he has, uh, he has healed us from every disease, but in all our is our youth being renewed like the eagles, but he has satisfied our mouth with good things. That's one of my benefits. And, and I'm supposed to remember these benefits. And praise God, I can enjoy that benefit. But how many of you know that the kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking? It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if we are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, growing in the knowledge of him, that's how we started this thing with Peter, growing in the knowledge of him. We are going to be also be growing in his peace. We're going to be growing in his joy. His abundance of grace, his shalom peace that I talked about last week, will be multiplied to us. I want to switch gears here a little bit as we kind of close this out, uh, this whole series. I'm not done quite yet for today, but I'm heading that direction. Go with me real quick to uh, John 19.7. John 19.7 Actually, you know what? Um, keep going that direction. I got 19.2, excuse me. 19.2 We might as well start with 19.1 Since we're here. This is talking about Jesus going to the cross on the way to the cross. It says, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. In verse 2, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him on, on, a, on a purple robe. I'm not going to highlight everything that's in here right now. I really, kinda, I, I really just want to uh, use this verse to springboard one thought here, that he, he wore a, a crown of thorns. I want to talk about this crown of thorns real quick here. 
as it relates to peace. Again, we're talking about being established in this peace, but I want to go off on a little side trail here as we conclude and bring us back into peace. But I want to look at this crown of thorns real quick, okay? With this crown of thorns in your mind, go with me real quick to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We know this as the chapter or the section where the fall of man, where Adam and Eve sinned. Adam sinned. And we're going to take it up in verse 17. I'm going to read about three verses. So Genesis chapter 3. And God kind of going over with some of the consequences of sin. I'm not going to read all of them. But I'm going to read just one, one aspect of this real quick. You follow me so far? We're talking about this crown of thorns. We're still talking about peace. But let me set the stage for my last point, okay? Genesis 17, 3.17 says, then, Adam, then to Adam he, God, said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which God I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face or your brow you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. There's a lot in here. I'm not going to go through everything in here. I really just highlighted one thing in beginning of verse 18. Well, actually... The, the whole idea that he's going to, you know, up to, up to this point, Adam has never had to toil to eat. He worked. He took care of the garden. But he didn't have to toil. There's a difference here. And he says, and he also says, thorns and thistles shall <coughs> bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. But also, this is the first time we see that he has a sweat to eat bread. Okay? Now, I'm not saying work hard. hard. So it's like work, like working out. Uh, lately, uh, we've been doing some yard work. Spring is in the air. We're at home. We've been doing some yard work. And there's some times that we like the adrenaline of working hard. Nothing wrong with that. Adam, I believe, worked hard before the fall. But I don't think he worked hard to eat. He didn't work hard. He wasn't sweat. Where am I going with this? Just, just uh, hold on with me. I haven't taught him this before. I wrote about it. Uh, a few years back, but I haven't taught of it before. But I'm trying to bring a point out that I want to uh, set the stage for. Um, one of the curses that Adam experienced, or mankind experienced, was sweat and toil and thorns and thistles. It didn't exist up to this point. Jesus bore our crown of thorns. It's not just a thorn, but it was a crown. It was on his head. The head is where we think we grow in peace and the knowledge of him. But how many also says in Galatians 3.13 that he was cursed? Uh, um, I can't even quote it right now. I quote it all the time. Let me go here real quick for Galatians 3.13. Hopefully you're following me. I'll tie this all together here real, real quick. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Had to become a curse for us. Hopefully you follow me real quick. I'm, I'm trying to tie in this crown of thorns with the curse. We toil, sweat. With I'm trying to tie this all into peace. 
how Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. Jesus wore the thorns for you to show, at least from this aspect, to show that he has borne this curse for you and redeemed you from it. He wore the crown of thorns so that you can work stress-free. I'm not saying we don't work. We can talk a lot about that. Paul, Paul said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And I agree with that. At the same point in time, I believe that we can work stress-free. I believe that we can work worry-free. I'm not saying we don't work hard. And I'm not saying we don't uh, earn, earn our keep in a sense. But God's our source. I don't, but I don't believe that we have to work to a point that we are stressed out. That we are burned out. That we are not enjoying life. God's our source. Some people have some jobs. And Sherry had a job for a season just before we lost everything to the night. And she was on, on salary. She was working uh, She was working night and day. They would call her in the middle of the night many times. She did not, couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. We were losing everything. And, but it was a stress, very stressful job. She was only supposed to work 40 hours a week, but she was working beyond 80. And it was a very stressful job. And, uh, and it just, I don't believe that God, what God has, has, has given us. I'm not, I'm okay. I understand there's times where we work hard. For example, I'm just thinking of firefighters. Firefighters, when they're putting out a big brush fire, sometimes they have to work long shifts around the clock, and I, I understand there might be seasons where if we're dealing with something, I'm not so much talking about that, but I'm talking about day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out, a lifetime of just a stressful, stressful job. Let me just catch up with myself here. I don't believe we have to work, be, be I'm, I'm dealing with peace, but I'm dealing with it from a worried, stressful point of view. I dealt with some other points of, 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 of fear. But I'm not so much dealing with fear right now. I'm dealing with worry. I'm dealing with stress. That, that makes sense? Stress didn't exist until the curse, the fall. Adam didn't have to toil until the fall. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And he bore the crown of thorns for us. But I don't think we have to work, work stress-free just to make ends meet. We have an awesome God. We have a good, good Father that knows that we need to eat, that we need to wear clothes, we need to have a home, and we need to pay our bills. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying we don't have, uh, uh, we won't work hard. But I also believe that no matter what our job is, no matter what we do, we need to do everything we do with the mindset that your Father has provided everything that you need. He is your source. You are not dependent on that paycheck. You are not dependent even if you're on furlough or whatever the case may be right now. That your job is not your source. Your Father is. And even if you have a stressful job, it's not, you are not your own God. You are not your own provider. God is. Praise God you have a job. I'm hoping I'm making sense. I'm trying to make sense with this. You have a covenant of peace with your God, with your Father. Okay? Every curse that was supposed to fall on you, Jesus bore on the cross. Every curse. And there was many curses. And one of those curses is sweat in the sense of stress, in the sense of toil, to make ends meet. Jesus bore that crown of thorns for you. 
so you can be at peace with God. Because your Heavenly Father knows that you, you, you need your faith. Jesus bore the crown of thorns so you could have peace of mind. We need to have peace of mind. Not just because of a coronavirus. But even without the coronavirus, some people have not been in peace of mind because they're stressing, working out. Some of you, this is the first time you've had a vacation in a long time. Maybe not a vacation of choice. You can't go anywhere. You know? I understand that. But some of you haven't slept in in a long time. And I'm not agreeing with this coronavirus thing. I'm not agreeing with a lot of things. But there are some benefits that have happened. Some of us got to sleep in. Some of us have been able to spend time with the families. Some of us have been able to do some things we haven't done in a long time. Smell the flowers. Some of you have forgotten that there were such things as flowers. And they're starting to bloom now. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not praising the coronavirus. I'm not praising all this stuff. But despite that, it is, I, I want to take a breather here and remind that we have a good, good father. And when we get back to work, when we get back to normalcy or the new normal, whatever that looks like, know that you don't have to work stress-free. With or without a coronavirus. Did I say something wrong? Okay. I think you got my point. That's more important. I don't know what I said, but I, I, I might have twisted some words. But I, my, my point is, <coughs> I'm dealing with stress right now. And I'm dealing with peace. And I know that some of us might not be stressed working hard because we're not working. But we're going back. Amen? We're going back to work. This lockdown will lift. I don't know what the timeline will be for everybody, but it will lift. <coughs> and some of us, we're so, we have so much cabin fever, we need to get back to work. There's things to do around the house. You need to keep yourself occupied doing something. Okay? Maybe you clean the garage, maybe you need to clean it again. I don't know. But there's something you can do. Okay? I mean, we've all, I think we've all got spring cleaning down. You know? We're ready for summer. We're ready for fall. We're ready to live. But I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about an attitude of trusting God and not being stressed out. Amen? That's not the life God has for us. Christ has bore that thorns, crown of thorns for us. Jesus bore the crown of thorns so you could have his peace of mind and wear his crown of glory. It says in Isaiah chapter 62 verse 3, I'm not going to turn there because of the sake of time, but we have a crown of glory. Not a crown of thorns. Jesus bore your crown of thorns so you could wear his crown of glory. That's awesome. Don't labor and toil like the world. Expect to see the blessing of God come in your life because you have a good, good father. Jesus talked about the faithful steward. Jesus talked about the faithful servant. I believe we need to work faithfully. I believe we need to work diligently. I believe we need to work. But not with a mindset, not with an attitude, and not with a lifestyle that's stressed out. There's a difference. There's a difference. I enjoy what I do. I haven't always had the job I enjoyed, but I was faithful where God put me. I knew sometimes we have to set boundaries, and sometimes we have to set things. So, but but I, I'm not saying every job we have, I've always enjoyed everything I did. But I enjoyed it. It got me to where I'm at now. It got me to where I'm at not today. And I praise God for that. Go with me to 3 John. Third John, verse 2. 
Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. I love this verse. Beloved, I pray, I want to read it again, that you may prosper. God wants you to prosper. And I'm not just talking about finances. It can include finances. I'm not excluding finances. I forget where it's at, but God makes one rich and there's no sorrow to it. When God prospers you, there's no sorrow to it. There's no stress to it. It doesn't cost your time with your family and doing what God's called you to do. Yeah, there might be boundaries. You, know, you might not be able to spend 24-7 like you can right now during the, this season. You should be able to, but I believe that we shouldn't have to work so hard. We can't enjoy life. It, I don't think every day is a vacation. I think we need to work. We need to be occupied. with the things we need to do. We have a destiny. We have a purpose that, that's even beyond our family. But at the same point in time, we have a purpose for our family. And there, there's balance there. I'm not trying to speak towards that totally right now. I'm, I'm speaking towards stress. But we don't need to stress to make ends meet. We, we need to work hard. We need to work diligently. But he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. That you may be prosperous. I want to be prosperous not only in my finances. I want to be prosperous in my health. I want to be prosperous in my mind. I want to be prosperous in my, my marriage. I want to be prosperous with my friendships. As parents, be prosperous with your kids or with your grandchildren. I want to be prosperous in society. I want to be effective. I want to be effective like Samuel where his words didn't fall to the ground. I want to be prosperous like Joseph who had favor even in Potiphar's house and even in the jail system, even in Pharaoh's house. I want to be prosperous like Daniel before many kingdoms, many different kings. He was prosperous. Not everything went, not everything went peachy key for, uh, I don't know where that phrase came from, but it just, everything was a bed of roses for these men. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. Joseph got thrown into jail and falsely accused. But they were still prosperous men. Esther was prosperous. Ruth was prosperous. I see, I see prosperity. They're, they all have a story. They all have a life. Everything wasn't always a bed of roses. But God was their source. I, that's my prayer as a pastor. Actually, I think it's uh, verse 4 here. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking the truth. There's no greater joy to me as a pastor or a brother to see people walking in the truth. Whether they're part of this church or another church, that is not my priority. My priority is seeing the people know the truth and they can walk in the truth and the truth will set them free. To me, that's the type of prosperous person I'm looking for and hoping and praying for all of you. He says, I pray that you may be prosperous in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. But a lot of people, whether they're prospering financially or in other which way, they're prospering in their health. This is usually where, this is, this is the key that usually defines how many of you, know you can be rich and be miserable. You can be healthy, not have one disease, one coronavirus, and still be miserable. Because your soul's not prospering. Your mind, your will, you're stressed out. You're worried about everything. I want to, I want us all to be prosperous in every area of our lives, in our health, and also in our mind. 
I, you know, a lot of times if you deal with the sickness, but you don't deal with the anxiety and the worry and the stress, the sickness or another sickness is going to come back. Again, I believe almost every sickness comes from stress or worry. They, they say that uh, there's more heart attacks on Monday morning than any other day of the week. Before the week even starts. Before the, they get into the grind of everything. There's more heart attacks on Monday morning than any other day of the week. Maybe not right now <laughs> with the coronavirus, but when I'm talking about when we get back to normal. I don't believe that's how God designed us to live. Jesus bore our thorn, the crown of thorns. He bore our sickness. He redeemed us from the curse. <clears throat> God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Spirit of stress and worry can produce all kinds of imbalances in your body. Stress will kill you. Stress will, if the coronavirus doesn't get you, stress will kill you. The stress is more deadly than this coronavirus. Let me just say that. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe I can prove that scientifically. Studies have shown in therapy patients think, think peaceful thoughts. Imagine peaceful circumstances. Allow their blood pressure to drop dramatically. Stress is not from God. He's our Prince of Peace. He's our King of Glory. Worry and stress are curses from the fall where death reigned through Adam. But much more, those who have received the abundance of grace and the, and the, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I already quoted this from 2 Timothy 1.7 says that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. The king, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we're not experiencing peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, then I, I want to say we're not seeking first the kingdom of God. Because you can't have the kingdom of God. You can't experience the kingdom of God without righteous peace and joy. And you might have the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you're not born again, but you're not focused on it. You're focused. You're worried about many things. We can be worried like, like a Martha, worried about many things, but there's one thing that's needful, like a Mary. And sitting at his feet. That's the most important thing. Jesus did not start his day until he spent time with his Father. He, in other words, he started from a place of peace. You can't spend time with the Father and not be in peace. Some of us, our devotions, when we get back to normal, are microwave. We do the drive-thru. We do the microwave version of devotions. And I'm not, I understand life is busy. I, I believe me, I understand life is busy. But we need to prioritize a relationship with God. Grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of Him. What are you feeding on? What are you seeking? What are you pursuing? The kingdom of God, which is righteous, peace, and joy? Or are you seeking that paycheck? Are you seeking that promotion? Are you seeking... To do it out of your own strength. And again, I'm not saying some jobs, I understand some jobs are demanding, some jobs are getting to do it. And I'm, I'm, I will allocate, do be faithful. Be faithful what God's called you to be. Be faithful what God has positioned you. But also, but prioritize and know where your source is, where your strength comes from. And it's God, not you. And it doesn't have to be out of stress. I understand every job, 
had stressful seasons in a sense where, you know, retail is Christmas, you know, other jobs, is, uh, every job has seasonal where it's peak season. And so you might be putting in the three extra hours, you might be doing the three extra things. Uh, sometimes we've done some because we're saving up for a vacation or whatever the case may be. I understand that, but that can't be the normal way of life. Right? We can't we can't uh, do that all the time, but we don't have to do it stress free. I mean, we don't have to do it instead of our life. We don't have to do that full stress. We can do that in the spirit of joy. And uh, and so uh, hopefully that's making sense. I believe God designed and created us to see. This whole thing about stress. I think a lot of times when we're stressed and we're worried, we're putting more trust in what we're doing or what we're stressful about than we are God. I believe God designed us and created us to need Him. To need to rely on Him. To trust Him. To rely on Him. As we cleave on Him our daily bread, the tree of life. I think we need to come... Jesus wants us, our lives, to be so focused on trusting and relying on Him every day of our lives. Not, not just for the big things we're praying for, but in a relationship. And also for those big things. Um, if we can live our life day in and day out without needing Him, that means something's wrong. Something's out of balance. In one way, we've made ourselves a God. We've made ourselves the source. We might not think it in those terms, we're not, we're not, but I want to rely on God. Not my employer, not my government. I want to respect them. I want to be due diligence to them. I want to honor them. But I want, and I, and I want to honor myself to, to some degree. But I have the proper balance. But my trust, my reliance is on God. And when your trust and reliance is on God, not yourself, not the government, not other people, they can't disappoint you. Because even when they fail you, your God will never fail. He will always be there. He will always come through. Even when the paycheck's not there, your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things, and He is your Father, not them. And, there's so, I mean, even if you've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Jesus can come into the boat of your life, to the boat of your finances, to the boat of your home, to the boat of your workplace, and say, cast your net on the other side. Launch out into the deep, put down your nets for a catch. Jesus can come into the boat of your life. Jesus can come into your life like the, the widow who needed to pay off her debts and had her collect all the, all, the, all the jars she could to pay off her debts. Jesus can send the ravens to you. I mean... We, have, we serve a God of miracles. He is not limited. Twice Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes. Even he didn't have a boy. Even to have a the boy did. <laughs> but he used the boy's lunch to feed the multitudes with 12 baskets left over. We, God is not limited because there's not a Walmart nearby. God's not limited because we can't get to the store or whatever the case. God, we have an awesome, awesome God. Who fed it, he fed Israel with manna and, ray, and, and quail for 40 years. Our God, we live in a better covenant. We have an awesome God. And I'm going to trust him. I hope you're not making sense. When we are worrying in fear, 
We are actually having more faith in the devil to make inroads in our lives than we are in God's peace and his joy and his provision to protect us, to provide for us, and to provide for every need. If you have more faith, you know, when we worry and stress, we can have more faith in the devil or the system or the lack to do us harm than we can about God doing us good. And I'm not saying we don't do things. I'm not saying that we don't, you know, uh, we don't do our homework. We don't do our diligence. We don't uh, do things. But in it all, we know that God is our source. And I'm going to trust this. And if all hell breaks loose, if all everything goes backwards according to my plans, my, if everything goes wrong, if everyone turns me and gives me a deaf ear and turns the door on me or charges me a fee or whatever, I am not going to get so bent out of shape because I know that I have a heavenly Father who loves me and is going to provide for me. I'm not saying I won't speak up at times. I'm not saying I not, won't, won't have, don't have a voice and opinion in the matter in different things and maybe we can reason it out together. But if, there, if there's no reason, if there's no hope there, even, even in all that, I know that God's my source. And I'm not going to be worried about it. I'm not going to be stress-free about it. I'm not going to be stressed. I keep saying I'm not going to be stress-free. I want to be stress-free. <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, but I hope that you get my point in all this. I want to have more faith in my God than more faith in my circumstances that are overcome, overcome me. Or uh, whatever the case may be. Even if someone's done me wrong. Even if there's been an injustice. I trust my good, good Father. That's where my trust is. That doesn't mean I'm not going to speak up. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try to reconcile the situation. That doesn't mean I'm not going to work hard. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to trust God. And I don't have to get out and out of shape. And even in trying to fix it, even in trying to even complain about it, I don't have to get all bent out of shape. And I can keep my composure. I can keep, uh, I can, I can be, keep my light as a light of the world and so on. Does that make sense? I can stay in peace. Um, I just wrote this in my notes. But when we are wor- when we are worry free, we are actually refusing to worry and are determined to trust God. I want I I'm, I refuse to worry. Sometimes my flesh wants to. Sometimes it's knocking on the door. Sometimes it's banging on the door. Sometimes it's trying to brush through and trickle through the door. Don't get me wrong. I, I, they're not. T- there's times where stress wants to get overtake me, and worry wants to overtake me. I'm not saying it's always easy, but I want to submit to God, resist the devil, and help flee. I am not going to acknowledge this worry and despair. I'm going to acknowledge God. I'm refusing. I want to refuse to worry, and I want to be, to be so determined to trust God. The Bible says we have to labor to give the rest. There's a rest for the people of God. But we have to sometimes labor to get into that rest. That sounds like an oxymoron that we have to labor to rest. <laughs> That's one thing we can labor for. <laughs> but we've got to labor to get into rest. Labor to get into that state of mind of peace. And how do we do that? Get our minds focused on Him. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Him. Get back into God. I mean, just worship this morning. 
We have things like things like that. Getting back in His Word, hearing the good teaching, sometimes fellowship and and, and 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 talking, encouraging, spurring one another to good deeds can help me get back into that place of peace. But if on the, on the flip side of that, if the only diet I have is listening to the the world and listening to Facebook and listening to other things that are negative and not listening to God, and I'm feeding my my fears instead of and starving my faith instead of feeding my faith and starving my fears. What's my most dominant diet? What's, what am I going to allow to dominate <coughs> my mind? How am I going to harness my emotions? How, Andrew talks about that. How do we harness our emotions? Well, we need, to, we need to spend time with God. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, it says in Galatians 5.16. The key is not trying to control the flesh. The key is walking in the Spirit. Because righteousness, peace, and joy are in the Holy Spirit. They're not in the world. They're not in my flesh. But I'm not just flesh. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is in me. His fullness is in me. I just need to give Him attention. I just need to spend time in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. My flesh can lust to worry. My flesh can lust to get bent out of shape. My flesh can lust to be angry or depressed or discouraged. Even the other day I had some disappointing thing, something disappointing in my, my flesh wanted to be downcast. David said, oh, why are you all so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. Things can happen. It can be sometimes the most simplest thing, the most trivial thing, but it can get our flesh out of whack. Sometimes it's just one little thought or one little thing. And we have to... And I, I was holding my tongue because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to say negative things. I, went, I was holding my tongue. Uh, I think people noticed, noticed I was quiet, but I was just trying to get over this thing. And by not giving it attention. But I, it was hard. It was a struggle. But I was like, I'm, I'm got to focus on God. Focus on God. And it took me a little longer than I wanted to, but I finally got out of it. You know, and we all have things. Sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We're just like, where did that come from? You know? And, and the more we dwell on it in a negative way, the more we can feed that. And we can take that negative attitude all day long. Or sometimes, sometimes, sometimes for us, sometimes, because of things we've gone through in the past, sometimes something that has nothing to do with what we went through. But it can trigger all those emotions. It can trigger all of that. And that's one thing that happened with me this week. So something, just, something that has nothing to do with anything triggers some of those emotions. And I started, I, well, I, I spent too long and letting that happen, and it got my emotions down. I didn't want to affect other people with it, and so I tried, tried to keep that to myself. My point, I'm trying, I'm trying to be transparent for a reason, because I, I struggle too. I struggle with being stressed out, worried about, emotionally, or discouraged, or depressed. But I have to, he says he will keep a perfect peace, he whose mind is stand upon him. i got to get my mind back on him. That's the remedy. God has not called me to be stressed out or worried or emotionally uh, out of whack. He called me to, to walk in the Spirit, which is love, peace, joy, kindness, etc. You cannot succeed in life crippled by a spirit of fear, of worry, stress. Fear is a paralytic, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of other people's opinions or accusations. Jesus has bequeathed us with his peace. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Listen to good teaching. Come to this table remembrance as often as you need to. 
if you need to come to this table, remember it's every hour, every five minutes, then come. Sometimes we just need to camp out. <laughs> just sometimes we just need to grab a chair and pull up. And you know what? We're going to dine with you for a while. Jesus said he stands by the door and knocks that he might sup with us and us with him. He wasn't talking to the world. He was talk he was knocking on the door of his church. We sometimes talk about that, uh, about reaching the lost, but he wasn't knocking on the door of the lost. He was knocking on the door of the church. Yes, it was the church of the seven churches in, in its worst condition, but he was knocking on the church in its worst condition to have relationship. And we need, Jesus is knocking. He, he's not going to force himself in. He's not going to force his peace on you. You have to open the door. You have to open the door. The door not on your side. He, he'll knock. But we have to open the door to be established in his peace. The next time something troubles you, don't focus on correcting the problem. Seek first the kingdom of God, which is righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not out of a sense of duty, but out of a heart of worship that is dependent on him. Rest in his goodness and he will take care of everything. We have that on our wall here, but the reason why we have that and why I say that, when back in 2004, Sherry and I were at a crossroads and making a decision and we, our hearts were troubled. We, we weren't saying, we weren't cussing or anything, but we weren't talking, we were talking negative about our situation. And we both kind of came unraveled. We were, remember we were in our home in Cabina. We were sitting in the living room floor and we were just very emotional about the circumstance that we were in at the time. It wasn't the worst thing we went through by the time. It was very troubling. And in the midst of all that, we were, we were just kind of complaining to God, <laughs> to be honest with you. And out of all that, God gave Sherry a word. And it was just the word, rest in my goodness. And I'll take care of everything. And that, that ministered to us every day to this day. That's why we have it in the wall. He says, rest. Rest in my goodness. Don't rest in your problems. Don't rest in... Uh, he wasn't telling us to, to be... He wasn't telling us to be okay with the circumstance. He was telling us to rest in my goodness. And I, not you, will take care of everything. You know, it's taken me all these years. That was 2004. It's 2020. It's going to take me 16 years and that we're resting. When God says rest, what does that look like? Sometimes we have to labor to get in our rest, which I just said a minute ago. But he says rest. He doesn't say rest. Just rest, rest in my goodness. We have a good good father. Rest in my goodness. God is good to you. Despite what the circumstances may look like, you have a good, good father. And if you are not focused on his goodness, you will not be in peace. You can't be in peace and focus on everything that's not good. Because every good and perfect gift comes from him. If you need some more, if you need a fresh dose, rest in his goodness. And he, not you, will take care of, it's taken me 16 years of knowing when God says everything. Everything. Every detail, every every dot, every tittle, every every little aspect, God wants to take care of every, everything that's troubling you. 
There might be some things people might know about some of the big stuff, but there's some little things that are still troubling you. God knows those things. Rest in his goodness. And he will take care of everything. Peace is not the absence of troubles. His shalom peace will allow you to be in the greatest crisis of your life and still experience his covenant of peace. This is the kind of peace Jesus has bequeathed to us. See, the world defines peace, tranquility, based on what is happening in the natural realm. But God's peace is an everlasting peace. It's the, it's the fruit of His Spirit. Even if your external environment appears peaceful, your external surroundings cannot permeate or influence the turmoil you feel inside. You know, sometimes... You can be meet the environment around you can be peaceful. But if your soul is not prospering. How I many of you know you can be in a very peaceful environment? You can be in a family gathering that's peaceful, you can be in a church gathering that's peaceful, but you on the inside you're turmoil. It's not a, it, the, the surroundings are not affecting that, that lack of peace. It also can also you can be in a crisis of your life. And some of you, because of the, the, the effects of the coronavirus, you you're in a crisis right now. But your peace is not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on this lockdown. It's not dependent on your, your furlough. It's not dependent on the government. It's not dependent on a virus. It's dependent on God. And He is your Prince of Peace. Only the abiding peace of Christ on the inside can truly establish your heart in His peace. From the inside out despite what is happening on the outside. Making sense? I want to, I want to end with that. I don't know. I might be ahead of schedule here. I'm a little bit ahead of schedule. We started a little early. Worship went a little shorter than we thought. But uh, um, anyway, I didn't, I've been wanting to speak on this subject of peace for a while, just before I even knew the coronavirus. But already on my calendar to do it this year. I just kind of bumped it up a little bit because of the time. I'm going to start our new series starting next week on the spirit of joy. And to me, joy and peace go hand in hand. And we're going to talk about it a few weeks. I don't know how long that series. It might be short. It might be long. I don't know. I don't, most of the time, I don't even know how long these series are going to be. But uh, uh, there's some other things I want to talk about later this week. I want to talk about the fear of the Lord, which also goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Fear of the Lord means I, I trust God. I have more reverence for God than I do about this virus. I have more reverence for God than I do about my finances. I have more reverence for God than I do about my job and my source of income. I have more reverence for God than I do the doctors and the nurses. I have more reverence for God than I do the news or whatever. I have more reverence for God than what other people, including you, think. I have more reverence and respect and trust and reliance on God so I can live a godly life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we need wisdom, and especially in this hour, in this day that we live in. We need the fear of the Lord. And the fear, the fear we'll teach also how the fear of the Lord. I know we're not here yet, and we're going to teach up this next, but the fear of the Lord, the, the, I posted a post yesterday, I think it was on Facebook, but the church grew, multiplied, because they were walking in the fear of the Lord. If we, need the, we need a revival. We need a great awakening of the fear of the Lord, and what that means. Some people don't even like the topic, topic because it, you know, I think a lot of them don't understand 
what the federal law is, but we need the federal law. And everything we're talking about peace and we're going to talk about joy is all about the fear of the Lord as well. And so it all goes in there. It's about trusting God. It's about relying on God. It's about reverencing God. It's about honoring Him. And so we're going to talk about that in a few weeks as well. I, might, I have joy I want to talk about. Maybe one other little, I think it's going to be a short message. Uh, and I call it what I'm calling holy dissatisfaction. Andrew uses the term in many of his articles, <coughs> but it's just that I've did a blog and I posted this week on Facebook about that. But I'm not satisfied when people are struggling. I'm not satisfied when I'm not where I need to be spiritually. And I believe God sometimes dissatisfies us so that we can be motivated to get back into peace, get back into joy, and experience His fullness. So, well, we worship you. We magnify you. Or I don't know if people are connected with what I've tried to share in this series and even today. But Lord, I just you you're, you said in your word how beautiful are the mountains at the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who proclaims salvation, declares Zion, your God reigns. And whatever people are going through who are listening to this message, whether now or recorded later on, I proclaim peace over their lives, over their emotions, over their health, over their family, over their finances, over their jobs over everything that concerns them. I speak peace. I proclaim salvation. Salvation, uh, Yeshua, means, in the Hebrew, means prosperity. It means fullness. It means wholeness. It means healing. It means deliverance. And I proclaim that for everyone who's listening to this. And Lord, we thank you that you have bequeathed us with your peace. We thank you that we have a good, good Father. That no matter what we're going through, individually or corporately as a society we have a good good father and we choose to trust you we choose not to consider uh, the worry uh, be stressed when we get back to work when we get back to doing what we're supposed to do uh, Lord we will not live a stressed life we will be resting your goodness knowing you will take care of everything I speak your blessing on everyone who's hearing and listening to this and I speak your blessing on us all and we will have a good, good week. And we are going to have a good, good life. And we are going to have a good, good family. And we are going to have a good, good um, testimony to this world that our God reigns. In your name we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock right here Facebook Live. We did record the last two sessions. They are on our website. And that's going to be something new coming forward. We're going to still dial that in a little more. Uh, but, uh, so you can even participate remotely. Uh, so we're still working on some things. But anyway, so we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Have a great week. And God bless you.